Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Brothers, I am going to call your attention to the gospel that I preached to you. You received it, and you took your stand on it. You are also being saved by that gospel that was expressed in the words that I preached to you, if you keep your hold on it, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to over five hundred brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared also to me, the stillborn child, so to speak. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted God's church. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not ineffective. On the contrary, I worked more than all of them, and yet it wasn't my doing, but it was the grace of God, which was with me, that did it. So whether it is I or they, that is what we preach, and that is what you believed. Now if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how is it that some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is pointless, and your faith is pointless too. Then we are even guilty of giving false testimony about God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it were true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then it also follows that those who fall asleep in Christ perished. If our hope in Christ applies only to this life, we are the most pitiful of all people. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by a man, the resurrection of the dead also is going to come by a man. For as in Adam they all die, so also in Christ they all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ is the first fruits, and then Christ's people at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has done away with every other ruler and every other authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Death is the last enemy to be done away with. Certainly, he has put all things in subjection under his feet. Now when it says that all things have been put in subjection, obviously that does not include the one who subjected all things to him. But when all things have been subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, in order that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will those people do who get baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why do they even get baptized for them? Why do we live in danger every hour? Day by day I face death, as surely as I boast about you, brothers, in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild animals in Ephesus with human motives, what good did it do for me? If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Keeping bad company corrupts good morals. Use sober judgment, as is right, and do not sin, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will object. 
How can it be that the dead are raised? With what kind of body are they going to come? You are being foolish. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that will be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body of the kind he wanted it to have, and to each of the seeds he gives its own body. Flesh is not all the same kind. Instead, people have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish yet another. There are also celestial bodies and bodies on earth, but the glory of the celestial bodies differs from that of the bodies on earth. There is one glory of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another in glory. That is the way the resurrection of the dead will be. What is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown as a natural body, it is raised as a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living, natural being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, that which is spiritual is not first. Rather, first comes the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man made of dust, so are the, ma- the people who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so the heavenly people will be. And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, let us also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now I say this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and what is perishable is not going to inherit what is imperishable. Look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed, in a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. But once this perishable body has put on imperishability, and this mortal body has put on immortality, then what is written will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is the word of our God. What a chapter. You can definitely see why this is called the Great Resurrection Chapter, because Paul talks about pretty much every aspect of the resurrection, both its physical reality as well as its spiritual reality and the benefits and blessings for you and for me. Um, the apology to the Augsburg Confession, that is the, the defense of the Augsburg Confession, has this to say, based on 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56 and 57. Paul testifies about the forgiveness of sins in these verses. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, sin terrifies consciences. This happens through the law, which shows God's wrath against sin. But we gain the victory through Jesus Christ. How? Through faith, when we comfort ourselves by confidence in the mercy promised for Christ's sake. And 
that kind of provides a little bit of background of the spiritual reality that the resurrection of Jesus Christ as this actual physical historical fact is something that is brought home to you and to me through the spiritual reality of God's work through his means of grace, of God's work in holy baptism and in the preaching of the word. And in that word, God comforts our consciences and says, dear Christian, your sin is forgiven. Why? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. And because Jesus has risen from the dead, that is God's guarantee. That is God's stamp of approval that your sin is forgiven, that my sin is forgiven, that there is nothing to worry about. And Paul goes on to extend from that point that since Jesus has risen from the dead, that is God's guarantee of forgiveness, then also, also all people will be raised from the dead. Believers will be raised in a glorified way at the end of time. Unbelievers will be raised um, still infested with sin. That all people will be raised from the dead. And this means that our faith is not hopeless or worthless or useless or pointless, but rather since Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, if if we only had hope for Christ in this world, we are to be pitied more than all men, that we would be called liars. But since Jesus has been raised from the dead, we have the guarantee of hope and a future, the guarantee that that death itself is has simply been turned into the tool God uses to put the sinful flesh to death once and for all. And when he raises you and me from the dead, then that that body you will have is a glorified body where the sin will have been removed. And this is an important point, I think, to keep in mind, and at least helpful to talk about. And and it, if it worked its way into our regular evangelism presentation um, or to the front of the line when we're talking with somebody about what our church is about and what our church does, um, is the fact that we preach Christ crucified and Christ risen. That truth, that the purpose of the Christian faith isn't simply to go to heaven and to inhabit heaven, but the purpose of the Christian faith, um, obviously, you know, I use those terms a little bit interchangeably. The, the purpose of the Christian faith is to give glory to God. The end result of the Christian faith isn't simply bouncing around on, cl- on clouds in heaven. The end result of the Christian faith is that you'll be raised from the dead and stand before God, body and soul forever, to praise him in his presence forever in heaven. And that is something that even that even today our culture doesn't like and doesn't agree with. And to be able to talk winsomely and openly about the fact of the resurrection, that I'm looking forward to being raised from the dead, that I'm looking forward to the fact that this same body will stand before God in heaven. Because our our society has kind of fallen for the idea, <laughs> and it's not a true idea, this idea of a division between um, my spirit or what I feel inside and the way I am presented outside. And it's seen most prominently when we talk about the, the whole concept of transgenderism. And I'm sure that there is some, some confusion brought on by the sinful flesh and some discomfort brought on and prompted on by, by the devil and as a result of living a life in a sinful world. But at the same time, we need to recognize that this division between what I feel inside and how I express myself outside is something that is inherent and has kind of wormed its way into our cultural identity. And so when you talk to somebody, 
the the basic idea that I want to be raised from the dead, that I want this body back, and even this body, God's going to glorify it so that it will not have any sin or death or pain in it anymore, that is a foreign concept. And that is a concept that Paul talks about very clearly here, that you and I will be raised from the dead to stand before God in righteousness and purity forever. And so as you go about your day, just take a moment to think of that fact, that the worst that you feel right now, whether it's the arthritis or the the eyesight, whether it's the heart attack or the heartache, those will be gone in the resurrection. And how can you be sure? Because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if Jesus has been raised from the dead, he is the first fruits, and we will follow him in the same way. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.